much for tuning in to the paranormal uh, near-death experience of phenomena. I'm the host, Kathy Lee Parker, and with me today I have Howard Storm. He's he's an American Christian minister, writer, and a painter, and he has a story to tell us about his near-death experience that happened June 1st. 1985. Welcome, Howard, to my show. Well, thank you for um, inviting me to be on your show. You're welcome. And thank you so much for tuning in with me and telling me your unique experience of life, your afterlife experience. And I'm going to let you take the stage and uh, start from, you know, when it happened and June 1st, 1985. How did it all happen? What happened? Okay. Um, prior to the experience, I was a um, real um, diehard atheist, and all of my friends were too. Um, I was a professor at a university, and all of my friends were um, basically all of the faculty at the university in different disciplines. And we used to mock religion, mock Christians, um, we just thought it was all a bunch of silliness. Mm-hmm. And we were just all uh, living for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought we were good people because we were teachers, so therefore, by definition, we must be good people. Um, so I was in 1985, um, I took a group of art students around Europe for three weeks, and we visited um, primarily museums and some architectural sites for mm-hmm. Sweden, Denmark, Germany, Italy, France. Have you been to Italy? And we were on the um, next to the last day of our trip. Uh-huh. The, the following day, we were getting on the plane to come back to the U.S. And at 11 o'clock in the morning, which was a Saturday in 85, June 1st, I had a perforation of the duodenum, which means I had a hole in my small stomach. And all of the um, digestive juices, which consists of bacteria and hydrochloric acid and all that stuff, um, was leaking into my abdominal cavity. And it uh, produced the most acute pain I'd ever experienced in my life. It brought me to the ground. I was thrashing around the ground, screaming and yelling and cursing. Um, mm-hmm. I've called uh, ran and they called him pretty quickly and he got me off the bed and knew exactly what was wrong and told me that I had to have surgery within an hour or I would die. And he called an ambulance and they took me to the big city hospital in Paris. And I was taken into emergency and examined by two doctors who um, stated exactly what the doctor at the hotel had said. And then I had to have the surgery like now, mm-hmm. or if I didn't have it like right away, um, I would probably die soon. Mm-hmm. And they sent me Uh, several buildings away to the surgical hospital. But because it was a Saturday and because of socialized medicine, there was no surgeon available on duty. And they, um, the nurse told me that they would uh, call and get somebody to come in. Uh So um, 10 hours later, I had been given, I'd never been seen by a doctor. I'd never been given any medicine or anything. And the pain which had taken me to the ground, kicking and screaming and thrashing, had gotten much, much worse. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very hard to stay alive. And specifically, it was really hard to breathe. Nurse came in at 8.30 that night and said, they were sorry they were not able to locate a doctor and they would try and get one the next day. Mm -hmm. Every doctor I've talked to in the U.S. told me I only had, at best, a few hours to live. 
So this was 10 hours later. So I was in really bad shape. The nurse left. And I told my wife that I loved her and say goodbye to my kids and my family and stuff. And she sat down and wept like I'd never seen anyone cry before because mm-hmm. she knew she was losing me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went unconscious. I don't know how long I was unconscious, mm-hmm. but I awoke mm-hmm. and I felt wonderful. I was standing next to the bed, mm-hmm. and I was like amazed at how good I felt, and I could see better, hear better, taste better, feel better, everything mm-hmm. than I'd ever been able to before in my whole life. And I was like, wow, I'm not just better, I'm way better. Mm-hmm. And I tried to communicate with my wife, and she um, gave no response to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that she couldn't see me or hear me mm-hmm. because she was focused on what was in the bed, which was my body, which when I realized that that was me in the bed, it was very upsetting and I didn't know how it was possible that I could be standing next to the bed looking at my self laying in the bed, except that I knew that the thing in the bed was not alive. Mm-hmm. I felt, not only did I feel real, I felt more real than I'd ever felt in my whole life mm-hmm. by any measure of what we consider being alive. And I heard people calling me outside the room and they were calling me by name and they were speaking English, which I thought was weird. And they said, you've got to come with us now, hurry up, let's go. And I went over and I said, I'm sick, I'm supposed to see a doctor. And I said, we know all about you, we've been waiting for you a long time, it's time for you to go. So I thought they were going to take me to the doctor. So I left the room Mm -hmm. and went into the dark, murky hallway. And they surrounded me and led me. got nastier and crueler mm-hmm. and I was terrified being with them and I said I'm not going with you any further and they said no you've got further to go and they started to push and pull it. Um, mm-hmm. I fought back as best I could but there were a lot of them now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many because it was dark but maybe hundreds or more I don't know and they were kicking and punching and shoving and then They started biting and tearing, and then they started to invading my body in all kinds of gross, disgusting ways. Can you feel? I was just. Can you feel them hurting you? Felt just like it would in this world. Wow. Yeah. And eventually, I was on the ground at that place and I couldn't respond to them anymore because I was all torn up and physically, emotionally, completely uh, spent. I had nothing left. So my mind was still working. Mm-hmm. And I heard a voice said, pray to God. And I thought, I don't believe in God. I don't pray. And the voice said, pray to God. And I thought, I don't know how to pray. I don't pray. And the voice said, pray to God real strong. I thought, okay, when I was a kid and went to Sunday school and stuff, we prayed and I was trying to remember prayers and I couldn't remember anything except all the stuff I'd memorized in school. And then I came upon two phrases, which was the Lord is my shepherd and our father who art in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so I said those two things aloud and the people that were still around me became extremely angry and said in very vulgar language. There is no God. Nobody can hear you. And now we're going to do worse things to you if you don't stop. Uh And I also realized that they were backing away from me because they found my pathetic little prayers so um, repulsive. And so I kept making up stuff about God and shouting it at them. Eventually, I realized that they had retreated so far away I couldn't sense or hear them anymore. Mm -hmm. I stopped, and I 
thought about my life, and I came to the conclusion that I didn't know why, why I'd ever been born in the first place, and everything that I thought I had achieved was like really insignificant, and I always thought it was like you know something really big, and that I was somehow important and doing all this great stuff. But when I went over my life, I realized that I was just fooling myself into thinking that I was something. I wasn't mm-hmm. anything special at all, mm-hmm. and I sank deeper into to depression about my fate of being stuck in this place forever and ever. And I had a memory of myself as a child in a Sunday school room singing "Jesus Loves Me," and when I recalled that, I could see it, I could feel it, and most importantly. As a child, I'd believed that there was this superhero kind of guy by the name of Jesus who I used to pray to, and he would answer my prayers and um, chase away the things that were causing me nightmares or um, get my sisters to stop, you know, um, being mean to me and things like that. And I thought, I wonder if he still cares about me. I wonder if he is. And so since I didn't have any other hope, this was the only hope I had, I called out to him and I yelled out into the darkness, Jesus, please save me. And with that, a tiny little light appeared in the darkness and it got very bright, very fast, and it came over me. Overwhelmingly brilliant white light. And out of it emerged hands and arms. He reached down and touched me. And when he touched me, and I was all gore, which I could see in the light, in his light. Mm-hmm. All of that just returned back and made me whole. Mm-hmm. And he filled me with his love, and his hands went behind my back, and he picked me up and held me close to him with his arms around me. And I was crying into his chest, and he was stroking my back like a mother or father would with their child. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that um, we were leaving that place by going directly upward. And I also came to realize we were going faster and faster and faster. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to get my composure to see where we were headed and what I could see ahead of us, which I first thought was a gigantic galaxy of stars. I very quickly realized that they weren't stars at all, but they were beings of light coming and going and doing stuff around this gigantic center. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that's where God was, and this was heaven. And I thought to myself, he's made a terrible mistake. I'm garbage. I don't belong here. And with that, we stopped outside of heaven And he spoke to me for the first time and he said, we don't make mistakes, you do belong here. And I thought, I didn't say, but I thought, how do you know I just thought that? And he laughed and he said, I know everything you've ever thought. And then I thought, ooh, that's not good because I've thought lots of things that I don't want you to know. Mm-hmm. And I began to think of all the things that I thought about that I didn't want him to know. And he laughed and laughed and laughed because he thought that was pretty funny that I was thinking about things that I didn't want him to know. I was, you know, thinking about having he, he just told me that he knew everything I thought, <laughs> including what I was thinking about. Now, so we began to converse, and um, he called over a group of angels, and they gave me a life review. And then he asked me if I had any questions, and I asked him every question I could think of to ask him. And he answered all my questions, and he took me places, and he showed me things. And this went on for a very long time. If it had happened in this world, it would have been years. But in that world, there is no time and there's no space as we know it. Hmm. And when it was done, I said, I want to go to heaven. I want to be in heaven forever. And he said, no, you've got to go back. So um, I argued with him about him sending me back, but he won the
when you're going to have the surgery. So they prepped me, and I had the surgery at 10 o'clock. Wow. When I want to go back to the experience, you said you saw these little, you thought they were stars, but they were, you know, coming and going, like wobs of spirit or light. What would you say that was? Um, beings. Uh-huh. Coming and going. Um, okay. In, in heaven, we have a different kind of body. We have a body, but it's very different than this one. In this world, we're um, heavy and we're very limited. In heaven, in our imperishable bodies, in our immortal bodies, um, we're beings of light mm -hmm. and we can go and do things that are impossible to imagine in this world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this experience, you know, when he, when the savior or the, you know, or the, the person that came to you and, uh, took you out of that horrible place that you were at, did, did the, um, dark side back away? Did they back off? Did what? Did the dark side back off? Oh, they, they were gone. Yeah. They, they couldn't be around now. Yeah. They, they probably backed off. And, uh, um, and then the pain that you experienced from the dark side kind of lifted up. Is that correct? You know, yeah. just kind of went away and, and, uh, um, and then he, did he show you things of the universe? You know, things that can you explain or? Yeah. Hmm. He explained, he was a great teacher, the best teacher I've ever had. Yeah. And did he tell you about the you know, the universe, like, you know, where we're going, what we're doing, and, you know, did he explain anything, how the earth was created, or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. <laughs> wow. All that stuff I asked about. Hmm. So give me an idea of a question that you asked him. Um... Something that... So this was in 1985. Okay. There was a little thing going on in the world called the Cold War. Oh, yeah. Which um, everyone believed in um, mutually assured destruction. Acronym was MAD. We had um, tens of thousands of atomic bombs on rockets ready to launch. The Russians had tens of thousands of bombs ready to launch. And like... Most people thought that there was going to be a nuclear war and the world was going to be annihilated. Mm -hmm. This is in 1985. Okay. So I asked him, I said, is there going to be a nuclear war? And he said, no. <laughs> I said, why not? And he said, um, God's not going to allow human beings to destroy the world. He loves the world and everything in it. He created it. It's his, you know, um, his creation and he's not going to let human beings destroy it. And I said, so if someone did launch a nuclear weapon, would he stop it? And he said, yeah. Um, so anyways, that was uh, several decades ago when we haven't had, not only have we not had a nuclear war, but we've had, um, you know, a certain amount of nuclear disarmament. Um, I said, so what's, the, what's going to happen to the world? And he said that God wants worldwide conversion to God. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what God wants, and then they'll, and that will turn the world into a paradise, and God will give us many gifts. What, um, do, you, that, what do you think about the pandemic? I mean, this COVID nineteen um, that hit the world. Uh, did he ever mention anything like that to you, or is that just man doing? No, it? no. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't. Frankly, I don't think it's really very important. There's been much worse um, diseases and plagues in the world than this one. Okay. Relatively minor on the scale of the bubonic plague and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, okay. And uh, um, when you back to when the um, dark side was beating you up, you could really feel that? You can feel them kicking you and biting you and all that stuff that you were telling me? 
Just like it was, just like it would be in this world, yeah. Really? Because you're in spirit. So I thought, hmm, how can they hurt you when you're in this spirit form? Because I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in heaven. I didn't believe in life after death. So I carried my identity with me after my death. Mm -hmm. I, and that's what happens to people that don't go to heaven. They're stuck in their earthbound sense of who they are because mm -hmm. they don't believe, they don't think they can be anything better than that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, so, wow. So you felt pain. Did you feel, I mean, you couldn't see any blood or anything, but you know, but you could really feel them gouging at you and tearing your skin. Is that correct? And much worse things that I don't want to talk about. Okay. A lot more worse things. Are. Okay. Well, we'll be right back after these messages. So hold on. We're going to a commercial break. Three, two, one. Hey, this is Brian with Better Accounting. Do you know how much money you will owe in taxes? Do you just blindly save money here and there and hope it is enough to cover your tax bill? There is a better way. Wouldn't it be nice if you could go into the tax season knowing exactly what your tax bill will be? Or better yet, wouldn't it be nice to make smaller payments throughout the year so you are not scrambling to pay your taxes? Better Accounting is the proactive solution to business taxes and accounting. Our team believes in regular communication with our clients. We meet with our clients multiple times throughout the year. Effective tax planning does not just happen during the tax season. If you are looking for a hands-on partner in your business, give Better Accounting a call. Call our office at 385-257-8866 or check out our website at betteraccounting.com. We work in all 50 states. Again, give us a call at 385-257-8866. We look forward to working with you. I'm Esther, co-founder of Head & Home Horse Rescue and Equine Therapy. We have a program called The Cavalry Club, where if you join, some of the benefits are you'll get to ride horses at a fraction of the cost. You'll also get awesome discounts on writing lessons and more. Cavalry Club membership is $75 per month per person. With the membership, you get a one hour, 30 minute writing session every week, unlimited supervised visits to the facility, discounted membership for family members who ride at the same time, discounted writing lessons, discounts for birthday parties or other events, and discounted tickets to head and home events. Come check us out on our website, headandhome.org, where you can see photos of our horses. Come visit us to see them live. You can reach us at 801-254-1687. Hey, this is Sabrina, the owner of Math Beast EQ'd. I believe mathematics is the most important subject students should learn, but sometimes traditional schooling isn't enough. I have a classroom space in Bluffdale, Utah, or we can use Google Meet or Skype. Call me at 385-515-8600. Let's help your student become a beast at math so they can be a beast at life. Thank you so much for tuning in with me and hanging in there. I'm sitting here with Howard Storm. His experience was in June 1st, 1985. So Howard, your experience with the dark side was horrible. We won't go into detail, but we can probably visual that. And uh, but then the, there was a bright light that came and, uh, and you said it was this Jesus Christ. And he came and picked you up and got you out of there quickly. Yep. And yep. Uh, you, did you feel him pick you up? Oh yeah, I could feel him rubbing my, holding on to me and rubbing my back, and I hung on to him for dear life. Yeah, I bet. You I did. never wanted to let go of him. Yeah, I bet. You, I would too if I was in that dark place. And uh, 
Um, what would you say to somebody who, or somebody out there that may know somebody or somebody who is going through it with um, addictions, drug addictions? Um, in 12-step programs like AA and, and NA, um, the first rule is that you can't do it by yourself and you need to do it with a higher power mm-hmm. to, to beat that addiction. And there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world who have beat the addiction by, re- by taking that first step and following it up with the next 11 steps. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first step is... Um, you can't, you can't do it alone. You need the help of your higher power, which is a euphemism for God as you understand it. And if they don't, then they're, they're going to be in that same situation that you were in before the Savior came. Is that correct? Would you agree to that? Yeah, because life is actually um, not as complicated as people like to make it. And so we were born with free will. God gave us the gift of free will. And... We get to make choices, and our choice is either to attempt to live a life pleasing to God or to reject God. Mm-hmm. And if you reject God, um, you're not going to heaven. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, to accept God means to make a sincere effort to live a godly life we all fail we all make mistakes but we can be forgiven um our failures and our mistakes um but to willfully reject god and whatever that um entails in terms of how we live our life is means we're rejecting going to heaven and the place that we're going to is exceedingly unpleasant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, can I have another thing? Have you ever had continuing experiences from the other side or the dark side? I mean, has just tell me. Yes, I have. Okay. And the dark side that they try to interfere with you, try to tempt you? Dave. Tried to kill me. They've tried to tempt me. They've, <laughs> they've tried everything. Um, I, I, I guess I'm very um, irritating to them. They don't like what I'm doing with my life. Yeah, it's probably because you're helping others or telling yeah. them your story. Now I noticed yeah. that you've written is it two or three books out there? Four. Four books. Okay, and. Uh, and it's relating to your afterlife experience and yeah. or near death experience. And yeah. um, oh, I need to get your books. I um, I saw you all over Google. So people listening in, you can look up Howard Storm on Google. He's all over the place. <laughs> He's. Been, I'm very honored to have you on my show. You've been on many shows and internet from Fox News to everywhere so and people wanted to interview because of your experience i think too the awakening is experience with the dark side and uh you know people need to be aware of that it's not just angels and jesus christ it's also there's a dark side ready to to suck you up if you don't behave yourself is that correct absolutely um there's a line in the bible um um, King James Version. Uh, th- that um, all of our deeds have consequences. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why people think that what they do um, doesn't have a consequence for them. Because, like, any reasonable person knows that everything we do um, has a consequence. You know, for every action, there's an equal but opposite reaction. I mean, you know, if you if you spread love, you get love. If you spread anger, you get anger. If you spread hate, you get hate. Um, if you spread kindness, you get kindness. It's, you know, um, it's any anybody who's lived in this world with their head on their shoulders knows that that's true. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's also true that where we go after um, we're done with this experience, which we call life. Mm-hmm. What about you think about those who do Satan worshiping? You know, I find a lot of young people and older people too, but mainly the younger generation are getting involved in Satan worshiping. And is that like asking for trouble? Do you feel um, with that dark side re- to bother it's them? It's really, really big trouble. And the interesting thing about the evil one is that um, he's a liar. Yeah. And so he tells you that what you're doing is fine, it's good, it's okay. Don't believe anybody that tells you it's wrong. He tells you um, he's going to give you all kinds of great rewards for what you do. And the one thing you can absolutely believe about the evil one is everything he tells you is a lie. There's not one bit of truth in anything that he says. He um, He's the great deceiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how he gets people hooked. Um, and they, um, you know, I think that people know in their gut, in their heart, mm-hmm. that it's a lie, but they want to believe it. They belong, They want to believe that they can do whatever they want to do, and um, there's no consequence to it. Maybe their subconscious is used to it by now. You know what I mean? They yeah. keep doing the same thing over and over. It's like someone in this world, you know, on this side, you know, just continuing a liar and they, you know, everything they say, they believe in their lie. So, but uh, yeah, that's so eye opening when you um, brought the dark side. And I know there's some things that happened to you. You do not want to discuss or remember, but let's talk about the good stuff too. That, you know, when you said that you saw this, Jesus Christ, he came and got you, and did you see anybody else that you recognize, family members, anybody? Um, No, I didn't. When I was um, given my life review by a group of angels, they asked me if I wanted to see them in their human form, and I said no. Um, And one of the reasons why I said no, the main reason why I said no was because I was afraid that they would be like relatives of mine, and I didn't want to know at that time who was in heaven and who was not, because all of my relatives were flawed human beings. I mean, I knew the good and the bad about my family, you know, mm-hmm. and I just didn't, I wasn't ready to, to know who had made it and who hadn't, mm-hmm. you know. And when you had your life um, before you, were you ashamed? Were you happy? Were you glad that you did this and did that? I was happy about my life in my very early childhood, and then things started to go sour and got worse and worse. And it was horrible experience seeing my life. And many, many times during my life review, I told Jesus and the angels, I don't want to see this anymore. I've seen enough. And they said, no, you've got to see it all. Keep watching. And so they made me watch it, even though I I was disgusted by it. Because the thing that they were looking for was love and compassion. And that was the one thing I wasn't giving. I was way too self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. When, I considered myself an alpha male and acted accordingly. Wow. And when the Savior, said, or Jesus Christ, um, showed you, made you watch it, and uh, they were trying to find some good that you did good for somebody and you're probably just an ornery little I mean an ornery teenager but anyway and uh so you know you were probably were ashamed luckily you got caught at 38 you know what I mean some people I mean now you you're older and you um, I've heard you've done very good for others out there and and uh was on a you know what I mean on the up and up so yeah but I mean, the the big difference is... It's better to make something at 38 instead of 58. (laughs) Yeah. The the (laughs) big difference is before when I did something good, I did it because I was expecting some kind of reward for it. Oh, yeah. That's how the world is. I don't expect any reward. I know 
that God loves me and God cares about me and I know that I'm going to heaven because I believe in my Savior. Um, I do the good the the good things that I do, not for reward. It's just that's the kind of person that I want to be because it pleases God. And when you were with the Jesus Christ and these other people, did they teach you anything when you were there? I mean, they totally, they taught me. I mean, it totally changed my life. I mean, they, uh, they taught me everything that I know. Mm-hmm. And you know? they taught you, give me an example, you know, of something, you know, that they teach you. What words do they use? What do they say to you to make you change your heart? Well, for example, um, I asked Jesus, if I were to come back to this world, this is when um, he was telling me that I need to come back, and I was arguing about, uh, about I, w- I wanted to go to heaven and not come back here. Um, he, I said, what do you want me to do if I come back? And he said, I want you to love the person that you're with. And I said, okay. What else do you want me to do? And he said, no, that's what I want you to do. And I said, well, what good's that going to do? And he said, it's going to change the world. And I said, how is me loving the person I'm with going to change the world? And he said, well, if you love the person that you're with, they're going to take that love to the next person that they meet. And then that person is going to take it to the next person they meet. And I, and I said, I don't think that's going to work. And he said, it's God's plan. Mm-hmm. It's going to work. What about loving yourself? Did he tell you to start with yourself? He didn't, he, I didn't ask him about that because he loved me so much that I have been filled with his love ever since. So I love me because he loves me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then these other people that were showing your life, did they say anything to you too? Did they what? Did they say anything to you as well? These other no, they just showed me my life. Hmm. And uh, and how many was there? It was like three or four of them? It was about um, eight. Wow, eight people. <laughs> and were they men and women or just men? I don't know what sex they were. Oh, okay. It wasn't very clear. I, I just call them angels, my guardian angels. We all have a team of guardian angels with us all the time. And these were my guardian angels. Hmm. And you, you mentioned... I think they only one angel. They don't. They have a whole team of angels. Mm-hmm. And you had somebody... You mentioned to me earlier, when I interviewed you earlier, you said that there were... Um, people with you all your life and they recorded everything that you did and and this was this was them wow yeah wow lucky you (laughs) well everybody i'm not unique i mean everybody's got that yes you are you got to see jesus christ so i mean and then you got to see the i mean i hate to say this but you got to experience the dark side i mean you got to feel you got to you know what that felt like, and you, I think that is an experience. And then, of course, with the Savior come get you and all that stuff. But it's something to share with us that there is a dark side. It's not always angels and and so on, and so on. It's also there's a dark right. side out there that's going to eat you up if you don't if you don't behave yourself. You know, and you die with that attitude, you're gonna <laughs> you're in trouble. So uh, you know, you be well. You know what? You're going to get exactly what you lived for. Right, right. So if you're, you know, I'm just concerned with, um, and I know everybody out there knows somebody who's doing drugs and or addicted to drugs, addicted to, you know, um, some really bad behavior, pornography or something like that. And that breaks my heart, you know, and I want to do everything I can to help them. But, you know, it's good to know that, hey, there's a dark side out there. You keep going down that road. This is what's going to happen. This is what's waiting for you. And they're waiting. Yeah. They want you. And um, that they, the dark side, that they wanted to take you someplace even further to. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't tell me what that was, but they wanted to take me to an even more awful place than the one we were in. Wow. I'm sure it's probably... A lot worse than we want to go there, want to believe. 
and uh, I'm grateful that you're here, and I'm glad that you're still with us. Is there, you know, tell me about the books that you've written. You've written four books. I gotta go out there and get a couple of your books. But um, I uh, tell me about the last one you just written. The most recent book I've written. It's titled "Befriend God: Life with Jesus," and I worked on it on and off for about 20 years and I read a lot of books that had been written about Christ and um, mm -hmm. um, finally through the um, coaxing of a friend of mine in Australia mm -hmm. um, she convinced me that I needed to finish it so I did and she um, edited it for me which I'm thankful for mm -hmm. name's Ann Steneman and so it's it's a book um, exclusively about Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. and I tried to write it in a way that um, it would be understandable to um, any person. They didn't have to have a college is, degree, theology what degree. But what does he understand. look like? What does he look like to you? What does he look like, Jesus Christ? Um, well, he looks a lot like the. Um, Sun, the pictures that we see in Sunday school and in churches, um, you know, he, he's a Mediterranean guy, uh, strong nose, um, long wavy hair, beard, um, you know. Um, would you say he's about six foot, maybe? How tall would you say he would be? Well, he was taller than me, and I was six two, and so... I put him at about six five or six seven. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And uh, and his big hands and his chest. He just very very down. strong because hmm. he was a laborer all of his life before he started his ministry. Mm -hmm. You know. And uh, um, yeah. So and and you looked straight into his face and you said you communicated with him. How did you communicate? Did you speak words like you and I are talking? Did you do it a yes. different way? Oh, okay. And so he spoke to you. And, very funny. and he's very funny. He's got a great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And um, and he just loves you unconditional. And did you felt the love from the others too that were there with you? With you? you know, the other people that were with you, the other eight? No, I didn't. I didn't talk with them. They just showed showed me things. Mm -hmm. Did you see it like a video? Um, it was like um, the images were mostly focused on the people, and a lot of times there were little or no backgrounds to them. Uh huh. It was kind of interesting because hmm. that's. They just wanted me to see on how show show me how I had interacted with other people. And you probably were ashamed. But uh, what about repentance? You know, people they say repent, repent, repent. Is do you believe that repentance, or did you did they did the Savior Jesus Christ tell you about repentance? You know, if you repent, well, these things. Yeah, um, the word repent sim simply means to change right well we know that ways yeah. change your direction and um i've been working that ever working on that ever since june 1st 1985 i've you know i've tried to be kinder i've tried to be more patient i've been tried to be more loving oh. and i've um, i mean i've been trying to change my life every day in every way <laughs> for the past you know 35 years you know yeah but I think, 30, well, I think seven years. I think when you get older and your body changes and things like that, there's some form of forgiveness. <laughs> there has to be. But you yeah. know, but when we're younger and more sharp in mind and everything, that you know, we have to answer for who we react to and how we yeah. are and stuff to other people and everything. Now you saw things how you did. What about talking to somebody on the phone? What about did you see any of that reaction that you behaved when you were younger, or is it just all verbal, face to face? 
Uh, it was face to it was everything they showed me was pretty much face to face. Wow. Yeah, I guess in our time, in the 80s and 70s, you know, we did everything face-to-face -face a lot. Um, yeah, we didn't have any uh, iPods or anything. Technology. No social media. <laughs> yeah, be careful what you say to somebody because it's being recorded, even on the Internet as well. It's spiritual, I guess. But um, that's good to know. And how do you, in your terms, how do you feel about life after death? I mean, are you afraid to die? Are you looking forward to going to this other side? Well, no, I'm not afraid to die at all. Matter of fact, um, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. And um, that's pretty common with people that have had near-death experiences, that they just lose all their fear of dying altogether. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but I have to um, do the best I can with... Uh, the cards that I've been dealt, which is this life, and so I'm just trying to make the best of it now. And so I don't, I don't think about dying, but uh, when it happens, um, I hope that uh, my wife and my family and friends have a party and celebrate it. <laughs> yeah, instead of crying, just be happy. I've, you know, I've gone to some funerals where it's been happy. You know, people laughing at the table, talking jokes, yeah. like remembering this or remembering that. And it was yeah. funny and it took away the tears and you walk away with a different perspective yeah. of that person. Yeah. Yeah. I've gone to some funerals that way. I like them, you know. And some of them were uh -huh. like um, good reunions too, you know. Haven't seen yeah. such and such in a long time. And hey, you know. But, yeah. um, but anyway, but make... The long session, and um, and I guess you'll be there when that time comes. But anyway, um, how does your family feel about your experience? Your main family, like your wife and your children. My ex-wife hated it and wanted no no part of it, and eventually divorced me, primarily because of it and the way that I changed. Wow. Um, my son and daughter have had um, opposite reactions. I mean, my mm -hmm. daughter is against it. My son, my son supports it to some degree. But anyways, I um, remarried and married a um, woman of strong faith, and she came into the marriage with four kids of her own. And um, we have a wonderful family, and we all get along great. Mm -hmm. And I love them, and I believe they love me, mm -hmm. as I am. Oh, it's hard for people to understand. Um, there's curiosity out there about life after death. There's because it's a fear, you know, people get afraid. And I met a young man just on Facebook that was afraid to die. He was yeah. scared out of his wit. And, and, you know, I just try to tell him to enjoy the beauty of the earth and, you know, to go outside and, you know, enjoy the outdoors and things like that. And it helped him. He said, thank you. It really makes a difference. I said, yeah. And keep doing that and doing that, <laughs> making a more positive, you know, outlook because, you know, we all help create this earth and the universe. And I'm sure you learned a lot about the universe with the Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And when you appreciate God's creation, you're appreciating God. You know, um, I'm a painter. If you like my paintings, um, you must like something about me, you know, because I did it. I made it, you know, uh -huh. the same thing when you look at a flower or a sunset or a tree or a mountain range. God made all that. And uh, it's all beautiful and it's all good. And you're you're admiring God's handiwork. Mm -hmm. That's true. That is so true. And uh, I'm sure you've seen that's wonderful that you've seen other they were like stars but they were really beings going back and forth from earth is that correct probably answering prayers and helping yeah. those in need <laughs> yeah yeah well i just um howard storm is there anything you want to tell my listeners anything that you want to share no matter yes no matter what you've done no matter how you feel about your life, God wants everybody to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. And if you ask God, if 
you have an honest relationship with God and ask God to forgive you the things that you've done and that you want to turn your life around and live for God, for love and for good, God will forgive you and you will go to heaven. So um, you get to choose. God doesn't send anybody to hell. God doesn't make anybody go to heaven. We choose where we're going after this life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and is there any way anybody can get in contact with you if they have any questions, you know, that they want Yeah, I have a website, howardstorm.com, and there's a, um, uh, on that website, there's a way that um, I get your email. You can send me an email, and I'll answer it because I answer all my emails. Okay. Well, I want to thank you so much for listening into my show, The Phenomena of Near-Death Experience. And I want to thank Howard Storm for coming on. And all his information will be on my website under his profile. And you can listen to the show again if you like. And uh, it'll be on demand. Give me at least an hour and it'll be up there. And I'll have all his info. And thank you so much, Howard, for being on my show. And thank you for my listeners. And you guys have a great Thank you for um, bringing me onto your show. You're welcome. I'll bring you back once I get. I'm gonna read some of your books. And I might just bring you back on. We'll talk more. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay, Howard. You have a great evening, and thank you, for all my listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.